Hello and welcome to Business Lines Pulse podcast that tunes into all things health and pharmaceuticals. I'm Jyoti Datta. We are just hours away from celebrations to mark 75 years of India's independence. And our spotlight today is on a sector that is strategic and has contributed to making medicines relatively affordable, not just in the country, but also to people in several other countries across the world. So thereby earning India the label of being the pharmacy to the world. To give us a tiny insight into this long journey, the rough and tumble, the milestones, we have Mr. Satish Reddy, who in addition to being chairman of Dr. Reddy's laboratories, is also part of the leadership team at the Indian Pharmaceutical Alliance, where he's been the president twice. For many who may not know of IPA, it represents you know, the country's biggest and oldest drug makers, including CIPLA, Dr. Reddy's Laboratories, the erstwhile Ranbaxy, which is now in you know, the Sun Pharmaceuticals mold. Then you have Zydus, Cadilla, Torrent, I mean, just to mention a handful. So thank you, Mr. Reddy, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Jyoti. Thank you for inviting me. So. Um, you know, um, I'm just going back to something that, uh, you know, some of us who cover uh, pharmaceuticals as a segment are aware of, but for the general audience. Now, during the last two years, uh, you know, during the worst of the pandemic, you know, you will have said that the heads of major Indian drug companies, you're used to sit and connect every morning uh, virtually over a cup of tea and, um, you know, to discuss the supply concerns in the marketplace. So, just just for all of us to know just for you know to, you know could you take us back to early 2020 and give us an insight um, on how drug companies ensured that there were few or no disruptions in the supply of our regular paracetamol or vitamin c or even later the remdesivirs and so on sure uh, so the i mean you know when the pandemic uh, started uh, you know in the month of march uh, since uh, there was a lockdown that was going to be announced, uh, you know, very quickly, uh, and also, if I may put it, almost all, uh, all uh, suddenly, I think uh, it, it kind of set off a panic uh, to everybody at that time. So, I mean, even if I start thinking of, you know, how things went uh, during those uh, days, uh, it was quite a bit of a harrowing time. So, one of the things which, uh, you know, very quickly, you know, a few of us... Uh, uh, leaders in the industry gathered, especially through the IPA, we basically said that, you know, it's like, uh, it is an emergency, not just uh, in terms of, you know, where the uh, companies are at uh, in terms of the announcements that were coming in, but also more to do with the public health. Uh, because I think two things were clearly on our minds. One, to ensure the, uh, you know, the safety of our employees, uh, you know, because that, that was one of the things foremost in our mind. And the second thing was clearly about ensuring supply of medicines without any interruptions. So these were the two objectives which we said, uh, you know, we should ensure at any point of time. And uh, because things were changing very, very quickly, we all decided that, you know, it was important, like you said, uh, that, you know, every single day, I think this was going on for uh, the weeks in a row, every single day at 10 o'clock, we used to uh, get together on a call in those days. And then start discussing the key issues. I mean, these issues we used to center around one policy issues, you know, because of the safety guidelines, like I said, that was an important thing they, to establish the safety guidelines or uh, to put those things together. The other part used to be about the information that the government, uh, you know, wanted from us in terms of ensuring that there was adequate inventory, especially of the key drugs which were required at the time, whether it was paracetamol, whether it was, uh, you know, I think for a brief period, there was HCQ. Uh, at the time, and uh, you know the, the remdesivir subsequently, 
all these were you know very key medicines which were required and that that's something we wanted to ensure that you know besides these key medicines for uh, covid treatment also the rest of the medicines because the, 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 you know the, since, since it was a shutdown it was important that you know that we were able to keep the operations going also in the supply chain not just our own manufacturing and uh, the, the distribution but also to ensure that uh, you know to the, the medicines reach the various pharmacies thereby reaching the people uh, we had to ensure that so th- these were some of the things which used to be the topics you know safety supply chain guidelines policies with the government all these things were uh, you know on our agenda every single day i can quite imagine that must have been a logistic nightmare to get things shipped across to different parts of the country and let alone the world yeah before i delve into the road ahead now for young people who may not have an idea on the historic journey the pharmaceutical industry has made could you recount you know what in your mind would be some of the key milestones in the journey to the place the industry is today and maybe even some anecdotes because your interaction with industry stalwarts whether it's your father dr anji reddy or siplas dr hamid lupins dr db gupta i mean the list is long so what would you like to recount for people who may not be familiar with the uh, place that the pharmaceutical industry is in today i would uh, probably say there are four uh, important uh, developments uh, you know post independence and one of the defining moments uh, for our indian pharmaceutical industry definitely is the indian patents act uh, you know which was enacted in uh, uh, 1970 that i would say was you know the really defining moment because basically provided uh, you know companies at that time to uh, make available medicines which were not recognized under the patent act for the product but you could make it through a different process and the important feature of this act was that you know it was just for a shorter time for patent protection so this actually helped the pharmaceutical companies to flourish uh, if i were to talk about our own company at the time uh, dr reddy who was dr anjali reddy my father founder chairman of our company he for example was working in a public sector enterprise and then he because of this change in the patent law uh, he had this entrepreneurial uh, dreams he started out you know the working with other partners to begin with uh, because he didn't have the, the necessary financial resources to set up mainly api manufacturing uh, which means the products which were uh, made elsewhere still covered under patent but using a different process he would make them available at a much lower price so that the formulators who then had the benefit of this could price it more affordably to to the patients in this country who otherwise you know were not having access to these medicines that would that, that would be one such uh, a defining moment and i would say this is the most defining moment for the indian industry second i would say is the drug policy in 1978 when it was uh, enacted it again was a landmark event because it, it this came along with the price control order of uh, 1979 the policy basically set up what we call the national drug authority and then this gave a direction to the whole indian pharmaceutical sector because basically it wanted to uh, you know maximize the production of uh, all drugs it was giving leadership to especially uh, public sector uh, undertakings at that time and also it was uh, to make the country self reliant when it came to imports of bulk drugs so basically it encouraged the growth of the uh, local industry and again i would draw upon the example of uh, a company like ours dr reddy at that time uh, dr reddy at the time so basically it, it was making the uh, latest to the medicine the important thing was anything that was you know being uh, developed uh you know for any major breakthroughs happening in anywhere across the world that medicine used to be developed and by the time it came into the market uh, worldwide within one year it used to be launched in india that's how we perfected uh, this whole phase and uh, it really made india self sufficient you know so the indian patents act of 1970 the drug policy 
And then came this big thing in uh, 1984 called the Hatch-Waxman Act, because this was mainly opened up the market to the US generics when it was enacted during that time. I mean, of course, it was a long journey since then, but uh, this act uh, actually streamlined the whole process, uh, you know, in terms of generic pharma approvals. And also it provided this uh, incentive, especially if you uh, indulged in uh, patent litigation, where you challenge the innovator uh, company for forever green their patents, you'd get the six month exclusivity. That was something which was enacted in 1984. And that was another defining event, uh, because if you see most of the large companies today, they sell to the US. And then I would say the fourth uh, one is essentially the economic uh, reforms in India, the liberalization regime that started in the early 90s uh, from 1991 onwards. And that I think completely changed the game uh, because one, it, it marked the end of the license Raj. Uh, so it gave more freedom to uh, Indian companies. And more than anything else, I think the domestic uh, companies here, then uh, the world was open to them. They looked forward to, uh, you know, the getting into most of the other countries. They became extremely uh, competitive. And then today you find a situation uh, which is enviable that uh, you would find that these economic reforms uh, actually made it a leader in the, most of the countries in terms of the supply of uh, generic medicines. And then I would say that this, this, this reforms also coincided with uh, the establishment of WTO. And then uh, the TRIPS agreement, which came in after that, India became part of the TRIPS agreement, which again, you know, what defined the industry in 1970 by not recognizing product patents. Product pat patents were accepted. That's, that's what India did. But then it also kept the crucial section 3D. Uh, you know, I mean, just to put it simply, uh, you know, they basically did not allow patents on, uh, you know, minor modifications, you know, so which, which actually helps. Otherwise, I mean, that, that would become extremely difficult to bring products into the market and also granting of compulsory license. I think all these things, these four major uh, uh, reforms which happened, three of them in India and one in the US, absolutely defined the uh, pharmaceutical industry uh, from India. Fascinating. Yes, that's a lot of history that you've encapsulated into four uh points uh you know precisely and like you said i mean export so now i think what one in four medicines sold in the u.s are from india well absolutely if you mm -hmm. see the overall thing you know almost about 20 percent of the if you see the generic medicines all over the world uh, they come from india uh, you know india is the third largest by volume when it comes to uh, you know the, 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 these medicines right. and then you're absolutely right like you said almost one in uh, three medicines i would say go to the u.s it's almost 40%, uh, you know, close to 40% in terms of that. One in four goes to the UK, for example, and also the vaccine production, if you see more than 50% of the global production comes the volume-wise, uh, India is right up there. Correct. Yes. So, yeah, that's absolutely fascinating. So, you know, the pandemic has literally brought home the message that, you know, life can grind to a halt. So as the head of a major company that makes medicines uh, and, and speaking for others in, in a similar space, how do you plan for such supply uh, disruptions? You know, you have China and the concerns there that keep coming up at different times. Now you have the Russia-Ukraine uh, war that's adding, you know, existing stress for themselves and for the rest of the world. So how do you, uh, as a head of, you know, industry, how do you how do you plan for such dis supply disruptions? Well, I think one of the good things is, uh, you know, especially during the pandemic, it has taught us to be resilient, uh, you know, from the experiences uh, that we have had. Uh, so when especially the geopolitical conflict uh, broke out in the Russia, Ukraine, uh, that is something uh, that we handle. But I mean, having said that, this is not something all of us are happy with, uh, you know, because it causes huge uh, supply chain uh, disruptions, a lot of uncertainties uh, to deal with, and also dealing with situations that uh, we were not used to dealing with before. Uh, you know, pandemic was something we never dealt with before, at least in my lifetime, I've not dealt with it. And uh, also, if you see the geopolitical conflicts, it's been there on and off. But 
in terms of its effects that it has had in the current situation coming just uh, you know at the time when we still haven't completely come out of this uh, covid situation okay uh, that places enormous uh, stress so if i talk about dr reddy's in terms of you know what we did uh, during this time one is just prior to the pandemic interesting because he brought out the china uh, we in fact were diversifying our supply chain anyways uh, you know from china so even before that it was a more of a strategic uh, thing that uh, uh, the company decided to do and it came to almost i think less than 10% at that point of time in terms of the products that we used to source from uh, and materials that we used to source from china and then we had already diversified so in terms of the impact that we felt as a company in terms of you know the, the supply chain shortages we did not feel it uh, much during that time that was number one but then if you see the geopolitical conflict that happened recently i mean that really caused a lot of uh, uh, you know angst uh, for a company like us because as you know that uh, in terms of uh, pharmaceuticals from india we are the largest in russia and also we are the largest in ukraine and in terms of the number of people almost 800 plus people uh, we employ in russia almost uh, you know close to 250 people uh, we employ in uh, uh, ukraine and uh, ukraine was essentially affected badly and uh, also we had to take care of the expats uh, there and all that and making sure that they had a safe passage back to india and also extending all the help especially to the people in ukraine that is something the company had to deal with and um, you know even now it's, it's it's an extremely difficult situation in uh, uh, ukraine at this point of time i see russia for example although it is not at the same level as what uh, ukraine uh, has gone through uh, there will be a lot of challenges uh, in terms of what uh, russia will face but then i think in a very general sense the conflict has uh, you know led to the rise in the prices of oil thereby energy costs have gone high so for you know the logistics cost that has already we were reeling about with it from the pandemic you know the cost continue to remain extremely high you know it's almost three times four times the cost of logistics and also more than anything else the disruption in the supply chain routes right, uh, right at different points of time and the uncertainties it create that's something we continue to grapple with so there's almost like a business continuity plan which we keep a, anytime these kind of things happen and ensure that you know foremost we ensure that you know the uh, supply of medicines is not affected that's that's always the foremost uh, in our mind when we do these things right i can completely understand there must be you know a lot of sleepless nights i suppose so you know on having this running seamlessly you mentioned vaccines now you know when you look at whether it's covid vaccine and now with monkeypox i mean there's no one really making a smallpox vaccine for instance in india and uh, i think just about one company in the world so uh, while there is no major need for it at present not on the scale of covid vaccines do you think in the interest of the country's own health security or the world's health security do you see more indian drug makers stepping into vaccines as a segment given the reality check the world got with the pandemic that's a good question because if you see what happened during the pandemic i mean we talked about some therapeutics but vaccines was a thing which uh, you know the, is a pride for the country when i said you know 50% plus global production of vaccines happens from india and again may i say large part of it from hyderabad where i reside in this is something which i think is uh, india has proven that uh, you know it, it's a major strength for the country not only just for the country but also for the world in terms of being able to supply you know the medicines and vaccines uh, you know especially during very difficult times i mean it had its own challenges but certainly we were uh, right up there but having said that i think you know in the current situation especially you talked about two important things uh, you know the monkeypox you know at this point of time and uh, you know the applicability of uh, the smallpox vaccine these are the things you know it's uh, i mean you know just when we thought it was eradicated uh, smallpox obviously there's no the capacity being built up but what is important is indian companies have the capability in terms of you know being able to turn around and then make sure that uh, you know they, to get in all the uh, 
technology and uh, put it together that is something they can uh, you know work towards uh, very very quickly that's that's on one side about you know older um, uh, traditional methods of producing a vaccine but then also if you see the newer ones right uh, mrna for example uh, that that's a capability which companies are beginning to build because this is the future in terms of uh, you know how vaccines will be you know, produced so a lot of uh, the, you know development work and all that is beginning to happen in india which i think in the longer term it will hold good for india certainly on the vaccine front right yes i think that's why india has been comfortable because like you said companies have the wherewithal to sort of jump in and scale up so yeah fingers crossed on that so in terms of the industry's journey it's, it's also had its challenges whether it's on quality you've mentioned pricing as well both uh, whether it's the domestic and the uh, global market so how do you see uh, companies walking the fine line on providing quality medicine and keeping it affordable there is no one against the other right so both are important right so you can have an affordable medicine but without quality it's definitely not something that's that's going to work so if you see the again trace back the history of the indian industry that's why because since we at a very early stage were into exports and also exports especially to you know the developed markets of the world if i take the example of the us that that's something which has you know the the help in the company fda inspected and approved the facilities uh reside in india at this point of time uh, you know i don't exactly remember the number but somewhere between uh, 600 or 700 which is a huge thing so w- what it signifies is the kind of quality standards that he- that have been developed in uh, uh the country are at a very very high level so especially when you have this stamp of quality you know which started at a very early stage both in the apis as well as in uh finished dosages this is something which holds uh, india at a very high level and of course there will be challenges i mean all the companies have a Uh, you know gone through uh, various challenges from uh, you know the, the fda actions to see it as part of the game it's not that you know other uh, companies whether it's in the us or in overseas also don't face these kind of issues yeah. but it only helps us uh, you know to get better to ensure that you know the quality of the medicines and the systems because it's not just the uh, you know the end the quality but it's also about the whole quality systems that you put within the company that these are always strengthened every uh, the, uh, the you know the inspection is a lesson. and uh, you know to be learned for the companies and we'll only strengthen the systems and then what it does finally is it assures the patient uh, you know to whom the medicine reaches finally saying that it is a quality product it comes from a quality company which has the highest quality systems i think that's the assurance that we're able to give uh, you know so i don't see it as two different different things of course if we uh, the, the, you know invest heavily into quality uh, it doesn't mean that we can't make the medicines affordable in fact we actually make them uh, you know affordable for the patient in a sense that you know it's like finally they get a very high quality product and we never compromise on that right right so uh, in fact you have you know sort of mentioned the high percentage of exports that go to developed markets i think that also kind of uh, endorses what you've said so as a seasoned industry voice um, you know what would you seek from government uh, for the future to help industry you know also climb the innovation ladder and uh, how would you also as you know you all are the big guys in the pharma industry but how would you also look to take along several mid sized and smaller drug makers on this journey i mean if you see from the the wish list from an industry it's always going to be extremely long but but let me just highlight some of the priorities uh, the, you know which the india requires at this time and let me just paint the picture of where it stands today so if you see the size of the industry it's say about 45 billion dollars but we have said from through the ipa uh, from a study that we conducted in a report that we published that by the year 2030 we should you know step up to almost 120 to 130 billion dollars 
which which i'm i'm again saying is is uh, immensely uh, possible except that you know there's a component which has to come into play which is innovation right so that that's a very key thing and then you know the, the going further from that we are saying that you know we should be a 400 plus uh, billion dollars plus industry by 2047 which would coincide with uh, you know the 100 years of indian independence and again i'm saying it's it's absolutely possible you know it's not an impossible target to achieve but here's where i think what we require from the government you know if i were to put it at uh, you know the topmost priority we would say especially on the innovation front and let me just briefly highlight you know what are the important things and also i think uh, for the listeners it, it, just to give an idea uh, because of the patent act which was not in existence in india for quite some time in terms of innovation it's only more of a recent uh, phenomenon when i say recent uh, you know it's it's been there for the past uh, three decades dr reddy's as a company for example was one of the first private sector companies to get into research original research in uh, 1992 when we started but this is a very risky game it, 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 it's a, a thing which uh, takes enormous resources and this is not something which uh, you know companies can do it alone and that's where the government comes in uh, you know because it's a long gestation period i mean one in, uh, only one in 10000 uh, makes it to the market uh, there's a lot of attrition on the way and the cost of clinical trials is extremely high so if you were to say what is important uh, that we get from the government i would just paint it this are again recommendations that we made to the government one we said there should be regulatory reforms right because in innovation for example the whole approval process uh, you know the clinical development that uh, takes place it goes through enormous hurdles uh, the companies face especially uh, when they want to discover new drugs uh, you know because that that capability needs to go up several notches uh, before it gets there in terms of some of the approvals it takes a much longer period compared to other countries and right. we are asking reforms on this front number one second one would be especially the funding part which is where the risk factor comes in i said it requires enormous resources Uh, you know, in terms of discovering drugs, uh, again, if you see the multinationals, they would say it's at least a billion dollars plus to discover a molecule. Of course, it's clinical uh, uh, development costs in that, which is a high component, and also the rate of attrition. Uh, that that's the things that they uh, they take in. Of course, billion dollars is something Indian companies can't afford. But having said that, the model which Indian companies follow today is basically to discover, uh, do the preclinical pre- at a stage, and also do maybe phase one, phase two, and then license it out. That's the model Indian company. I would give our own example of uh, Origin, which is our wholly owned subsidiary. It is into immunology products, almost about twenty-two products in the pipeline, and uh, you know several products in the pipeline licensed out at various stages of clinical trial. And this is a model since it's very focused on immunology. Uh, we we hope that we uh, you know realize the unfinished agenda, which our founder talks about the book that he. Uh, you know, wrote before he passed away uh, was essentially right. was a special right. unfinished agenda, which was all about this. You know that you know he wanted to see an Indian discovered, developed product out in the global market. That's what he wanted to do, and that's that's where I think funding. I mean, coming back to that point is is very very key because it's a lot of risk. Companies can't do it on their own. So what do we ask from the government? We're saying that one is create an ecosystem, right? Uh, the, the ecosystem which would encourage the venture capitalists to. invest early into the development because they only invest late stage at this point of time that would be one thing also we are saying that funding when it comes to all the other various programs uh, you know which the government has to also channelize them into more applied uh, kind of research which would help startups because you were also asking about what about small and uh, medium companies that you know it should also help them uh, to move the value chain uh, especially on the startup side and uh, we are also saying that you know also look at incentives Uh, which again is a, is a big ask we are saying that you know so that companies invest heavily into uh, research you know so funding 
Uh, we are seeing uh, the you know regulatory reforms. The third one I would say is also about India industry academic uh, collaborations because a lot of big breakthrough ideas always come from academic institutions. If you especially take the US as an example, we are saying you know that kind of a collaboration is is very at a very low uh, situation in India. That also has to be beefed up quite a bit in terms of collaboration between industry and academia. We are saying that also is a requirement. And the fourth and the last one also we are saying that infrastructure, right? Especially innovation hubs should come up in the country. There's Hyderabad, there's Bangalore. But more and more such centers should come up so that especially, you know, small companies or companies which have a uh, good idea or scientists who have a good idea, if they want to start off, they should not be, you know, bogged down with additional administrative kind of uh, issues. But, uh, you know, it's like they can go and start almost like a plug and play uh, on the lines of the Singapore Biopolis. Uh, if they can do it in one of the innovation hubs that is created in this country, which again, like I said, requires government uh, intervention. I, I, I think it would take the country a long way in terms of making sure that innovation uh, is, is something which will drive the growth in value for uh, our industry. I think this is the number one thing uh, that we want to uh, achieve. Right. I do hope that uh, one of them tunes in and listens in to you on this. Um, so my final question, Satish, is on the road ahead. So, you know, how does the pharmacy to the world look to keeping that label in the days ahead? You know, keeping both the country self-reliant as well as continuing to play, uh, you know, the global role that you'll have played till date. So absolutely. So, so we are in a, even we talked about generic formulations and vaccines production, we are, we are you know, right at the top. We need to maintain the position, which means we have to be competitive. You know, the production-linked incentive schemes, which will only spur more, you know, competitiveness. And also, especially the APIs, you know, we used to have a leadership position at one point of time, which we lost out to China. At least some part of it will uh, come back and make India more self-reliant uh, because of the challenges that we talked about, which happened during the pandemic, right? So that, that that's something which, uh, you know, in terms of strengthening our position, some of it, you know, to regain some of the lost, uh, uh, you know, glory, if I may say, on the APIs, that's something we need to strengthen. But I think the key thing will always be, you know, to make this big leap on the innovation. Uh, which I'm saying is extremely crucial because we need to move up the value chain. Uh, you know, there are again opportunities before we even get into innovation, you know, in terms of CDMO uh, kind of opportunities, uh, whether it's a biosimilar kind of opportunity where we all again have proven capabilities. I mean, these are all areas of growth for the industry. But again, I would say it's like really the uh, topmost thing would be in terms of creating tremendous value uh, will be innovation. Again, here I'm saying we have capabilities. Uh, we have a proven track record, but again, to get to the situation where we are able to, uh, you know, progress products and then take it to the market, we still have a long way to go, and we need more and more companies. Again, it can't be a handful of companies, you know, in this game, uh, and it should be a situation where uh, you know, it's like if they discover molecules and it makes it to the market, all of us will be extremely proud that India was able to go ahead, uh, uh, you know, in this particular space because it adds tremendous value. Uh, that's that's what we reach. There are also several emerging markets. Uh, which in India can still continue to play a much bigger role than what it is today. Markets like uh, India companies have to face along the way, but tremendous opportunity. I mean, all I'm saying is we're in a good position, but in terms of what we can achieve, there's plenty to, uh, uh, you know, look forward to uh, as far as Indian pharmaceutical industry is concerned. I think that that's the perfect note to sort of end this uh, interaction. And uh, do you know, we'll all be watching for those uh, innovation leaps made by your company, other companies in the industry and, you know, the younger startups as well. So, you know, from the business line team and myself, thank you so much, Satish, for sharing your insights and your experience with us. Thank you so much, Yajuki. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Thank you.